You're listening to the Abundant Life Podcast from Rolling Hills Church in Topeka, Kansas. In this podcast, join with us as we discover what it means to practice the way of Jesus together, discuss time-tested practices to live as apprentices of Jesus, and what life is like in the kingdom of God. Our prayer is that this podcast will assist you in the transformation process to become like Christ and to discover the abundant life. Well, hey, everyone. I am so excited that you're taking the time to check out the Abundant Life podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm the teaching and vision pastor here at Rolling Hills Church here in Topeka, Kansas. What we're going to be doing today is we're going to be taking the sermon that was heard on this past Sunday in a series that we are calling Manifesto, Life in the Kingdom of God. This entire series is all wrapped around the words of Jesus in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. It essentially is just Jesus giving us what it looks like for us to be uh, a new way to be human. And I'm really excited for us to be able to deep dive. And so what you need to know as we get started in this podcast is this past week, we looked at the Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 through 11, and we looked at, or actually 12, but one of the things that we looked at was Jesus's introduction into the sermon. Uh, They are called the Beatitudes, and what's fascinating about all of this is that Jesus starts out the entire sermon with a list of blessings, and we're going to get into that here in a bit. But one of the things that I I want to just touch base on as we get started here is that if you have not checked out this sermon that we are doing or the series that we are doing, no matter if this has been months past or you're listening uh, in as we go along and journey through, our soul's ambition here at the Abundant Life Podcast is simply to wrap our minds and orient our lives around the teachings of Jesus and how do we live those out beyond the Sunday. Essentially, what we want to do is we want to say, hey, going to church is a great thing. It's a, it's a, It's an encouraged thing. It's something that really helps us connect with God and with others. But this way of Jesus does not just happen on Sundays at, you know, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. This is a way of life. And so our entire desire around this podcast is for us to deep dive into the ways of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, and orient our lives as him being the teacher or the one who's over our lives, that we simply just want to carbon copy and be like. And so if you're one who attends our church uh, or not, uh, what we are doing in this this series, which will be a nine-week series, we're going to deep dive every week into the conversation of what you heard on Sunday and go a little bit deeper. So let me let me just give kind of give you a little bit of a context. This is kind of how we started out the message this past week, which essentially is one of the things that we have to consider when we look at Jesus' teachings. We have to remember what he told his disciples before he went into heaven, as he ascended into heaven. Uh, If you look at it real quick, Matthew 28, starting in verse 17, he says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is important for us to understand because Jesus has not only position in heaven, but he has authority and position here on earth. And so he says, All of this authority has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples, apprentices, students of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 20, this is what's so important for us to see, is teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Meaning, take everything that I've taught you and then teach these these other disciples, these new disciples, the same things. Establish a rhythm of life. Show Show them my ways and how to live as heirs in the kingdom of heaven, as I've explained, as I have demonstrated, and has 
as I have instructed you. But don't worry, myself and my teachings will be with you until the very end of the age, because they are timeless. So therefore, go, go and make disciples. And so our entire attempt in this series is for us to help understand the kingdom perspective. What is the kingdom of God? What is What does that look like? What does it look like for us to live in or to be uh, heirs of the kingdom, like we've said? And so one of the things that we just need to understand is you and I have been taught um, in some way, shape, or form to not only just receive the teaching, but we've been called by Jesus to go and teach his teachings. And so it's important for us to understand as we learn as apprentices, our goal is to be is to be like a rabbi at some point and teach others in the ways of Jesus. Now, that may look differently for you than it does for me, and that's great because the way you're wired is completely different than the way that I'm wired, and that's important because I don't think anyone would want to be the same. We are a unique uh, creation, and that's exactly the way God created us. And so your areas of influence may be different than mine. I'm, I'm a pastor of a church of almost a couple hundred people, and the influence is different than maybe a stay-at-home mom. But it might be also way more different than a stay-at-home mom in the sense that the impact that can happen because of the daily interaction. I think about how I raise my girls. It's exactly the same way. You and I have been called to be leaders of our areas of influence. And what better way to do that than with the teachings of Jesus? And so I just want to encourage you, no matter where you are, wherever you're listening to this, in the conversation, you have been given a role to be a teacher. And what better way to teach life or the abundant life, pun intended, to teach those you have influence with, with the teachings of Jesus. And here's what we need to know when we come, when we come to Jesus' teaching. His central theme was simply the kingdom of God. Remember, Mark 1, verse 15, he says this, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And this is, this is good for us to know because most of us grew up being told that repentance is what we're supposed to, supposed to be for, you know, essentially be sorry for our sins, promise that we'll quit and never do it again. And certainly there's an element that it's true because a part of repentance is turning around and changing the way we live. But really, when you look at the word in the Greek, it puts an emphasis on our mind more than anything else. The repent in our English understanding is kind of ominous for actually for a very good reason. But repentance, as we know it, involves our entire life. And so the Greek word repent, metaneo, and I am not a Greek scholar. I'm not even certain if that's the right way to pronounce it, but we're going to go with it. Is literally the literal meaning is to, to change your mind or to change one's mind for the better. And maybe another way to work that out is simply to think it out again. And this is fascinating to think about. To repent simply means to reimagine your mind from the ground up around the kingdom of God, to redream everything from top to bottom in this new way to be human in Jesus. And that's essentially what Paul wrote. You know, he says, For the old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation, a new way to be human. And that's why Jesus tells his followers, We have to. And it's, and it's so important. We're actually going to cover this here in a couple of weeks. But he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, meaning God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, his righteousness, all the good things, and all these things will be given to you. And Jesus is saying that the first thing that we, the very first thing we must do as apprentices of Jesus is to walk 
and live into the kingdom of God, to seek it, to, to, li- to seek to live under his authority or his dominion or his rule, which we as Westerners do not really like the idea of having someone over us. But it's something that regardless, we submit ourselves to something in this world. It could be God. It could be our family dynamic. It could be our jobs. Essentially, it depends on how we put ourselves, who is our master. And so the very first part of understanding the kingdom of God is us understanding that we are coming in under God's rule and his authority as the supreme uh, deity in our lives that we are saying there is something here. And we want to walk in, we want to live into this. And when we do that, we experience the glorious riches that are in this abundant life. And so I want to just encourage you, no matter where you are, to consider and to for you to, to even understand what the kingdom of God is. And, and, and let me just quickly just kind of explain this. The kingdom of God is a very tricky, it can be a very tricky concept for us to understand. Because here's the reality. The kingdom of God is a present reality that you and I can experience now. But it is also the future hope that we have in eternity. And so some scholars put it this way. It's the now and the not yet. And we're going to get into that when we look at the Beatitudes and the way Jesus speaks. He's talking about the present reality as well as a future hope. And there's a tension that exists there. And it's it's important for us to understand what this tension is. Um, because what we've been called to is in, and invited to in an, in an open way is just simply, hey, here's the kingdom of God. Why don't, you, why don't we come on in and experience this life? And it's important for us to understand that we live under his authority, under his rule, and under his ways. That's how we begin to seek his kingdom first. And so what it comes really down to is for you and I, is how do we define Jesus's lordship over our lives? Does he have authority over your life? Does he have say in the things that you believe or the things that you do? And that's important for you and I to understand in the sense of we are all influenced in some way, shape, or form by what we are being told. So whether that's the teachings of Jesus or what we see on social media or what we see on the news or the narratives of which we've bought in because of our experiences, whatever that might be, the question that every apprentice of Jesus has to wrestle with is how do we define Jesus's lordship? Is he my buddy and we're equals or is he my rabbi, my teacher, the one who I seek wisdom and ways of life from? And I try to follow through with, and that's important for us to, to understand there. But one of the things that we did in this message as we kind of looked at, and I'm going to read them again, as we looked at the Beatitudes that essentially Jesus, this is his introduction to the message. And wow, what an, indu- an, an, an introduction to a sermon. I, 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 you know, one of the things that I, I never took a preaching class, which probably might tell if you've listened to any of the sermons. Uh, it's, fa- it's fascinating. What, and when we get into kind of the nitty gritty here, what a way to kind of flip the entire script of humanity at the very beginning of your sermon. And this is essentially what Jesus does. So let's look at starting in verse three. This is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And what's interesting, and as you heard on Sunday, if you heard the message, and we'll kind of recover this again, is that the word blessed here in the text in the Greek is used a lot in Jewish writings, but it's also used a lot in pagan writings from around the same time of Jesus. It's a difficult word to translate from Greek to English because we really do not have a word for it. And so the word that we see here as blessed is not what we would necessarily think it would be as far as a Hebrew, you know, just even understanding a blessing from God or divine favor over your life. And, and so in this, and I, I was told that I, I pronounced the Greek word wrong in the first service this past weekend, and, uh, and I totally did, and I didn't even know it. And so once again, if you're looking for a Greek scholar here, uh, I am not your guy. The podcast will not necessarily, uh, we might interview people who are Greek scholars, but you won't get that from me. So I'm going to try to say it again, but it's makarios. And so another way that we can look at this word is so when we see where it says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit, essentially what Jesus is saying, the probably the best understanding in this is congratulations, blessed are you, happy are you, fortunate are you. It's simply a greeting or an acknowledgement. Say someone uh, has the birth of a kid or you get married or you land a new job or you purchase your first home or, you know, something amazing happens. It's uh, makarios, you know, congratulations, blessed are you, happy are you, fortunate are you. It can even be said out of jealousy, like, (laughs) Go figure, Makarios. Like, it's just important for us to understand this word because when we look at when we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we look at the Beatitudes, it's easy for us to take this eight list of people types, this bizarre list, and you simply just say, "This is what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be poor in spirit. We're supposed to be meek. We're supposed to be persecuted. We're supposed to be mourning." And if you're reading this for the first time, you might be thinking, "Jesus, you are out of your mind. You're nuts. How in the world does a universe exist?" Hey, congratulations to those of you who are spiritually zero. How do you? Congratulations, to those of you who are mourned or being persecuted or depressed. Like, that's just crazy. And so, what we talked about on Sunday. And I think it's important for us to, to maybe revisit for a second is that the Beatitudes are a couple things. They are not a couple things. They're not a list of virtues. And one, I think the main state, one of the main mistakes that we can make and when we look at Jesus' teaching specifically around the Beatitudes is that we make it a list of virtues, things of which we need to aspire to be. And when we do that, we then turn them into a list of commands, which that's the second thing. They're not a list of commands. And I think that's important for us to understand because if you read this as virtues and you go to commands, it's almost as if you have to be poor in spirit or you have to mourn or you have to be meek. And and it's it's interesting in that because one of the things is there's no command out there that's to be poor and to be sad or to be persecuted. But what Jesus is saying, I mean, let's look at the word poor. So when we see the word poor in the Greek, the the, the word that Jesus uses, and I'm not going to, I'm going to save you all from trying to say that actual word. It simply just means it's from, it's on the brink of starvation. It's, it's hand to mouth starvation. And so, but so imagine that from the spot of spirituality, 
And Dallas Willard and others would call this group of people spiritual zeros. They literally have nothing to offer on a material level or on a spiritual level. That's not a virtue, nor is that a command. Look at mourn. Jesus did not say to those who who who, do, who mourn over the sin. And there's there's a common teaching out there where these are the things at which we you know we twist these words a little bit to to bring meaning or to bring a, a powerful reflection as a list of virtues or as a list of commands. And Jesus isn't saying, "Hey, mourn over your sin." No, he's just saying, "Are you mourning today?" If you are, blessed are you. Congratulations to you. There is blessing in this. And so it's, are you sad today? You know, for whatever reason, right? Blessed are you. And he's not saying that this is something that's good in your life. No, something, experiencing a bad thing in life is a bad thing. But in the kingdom of God, there is blessing in this, right? Same thing with meek. The word does not mean power under control. It would be better understood as the powerless or those who do not have power at all. It's the oppressed, those who are living under injustice. This is the meek. And Jesus, once again, is not saying that this is not a good thing. But remember, his first century audience, they're they're living in the Roman Empire, and they're living under oppression. They are experiencing injustice. There's certain areas within this in, in, in Israel, where taxes were somewhere between 70 to 90 percent, you know, we, we get a little upset about the idea of, of our taxes being as what they are now. But just imagine that being three to four times as much of what we're paying now. And so there was an injustice. And so he's talking to them, blessed are you who are meek, who are powerless, who are oppressed, who are living under injustice. And the same thing, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteous, this word here, righteous, does not mean right relationships with God, or specifically with God. It's actually right, or right, uh, excuse me, it's not necessarily this idea of like, like righteousness in the way that we understood it in the Bible, where it's all these good things. No, this is right relationships with God and with others and with themselves. And it's more likely, you know, those of you who are wanting a relationship with God or with others or self, in our language, maybe the best way to understand this group of people are those who can't get their lives together. And I think that's that's wildly different than maybe what we've anticipated or as we thought of. And so we once again, we can't look at this list as a list of virtues or a list of commands or even as a list of timeless truth. I mean, think about it. In our world today, on this earth, do, do the meek, is there blessing for the meek or is there blessing for the merciful? course not there's not it's rarely someone who's experienced or who is merciful christians in other parts of the world who are being persecuted aren't necessarily receiving mercy when they're merciful and so it's it's one of those things that makes it a challenge for you and i as followers of jesus to go hold on here the script has been flipped here i don't understand this and that's what jesus does he comes in he says listen there's blessing there's blessing in this. So but they're not they're not virtues, they're not commands, they're not timeless truths. So what are they? Well, essentially, it's the gospel. It's the gospel. There's an ongoing debate about how we define the gospel, and there's even a group that defines the gospel specifically as this, justification by grace through faith, not by good works. And if you're in that camp of theology, uh, there's no judgment. Uh, it's a very common theology. But I would say that there's a growing pushback on that view saying, hold on, wait a minute, that's not how Jesus defined the gospel. Or it's not even how the early church defined the gospel. 
Remember, how did Jesus define the gospel? He says the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe. Change your mind and believe the good news or the, believe the gospel. And we see this. And we look at how the early church defined the gospel by even just how they titled the letters. It's the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The gospel is Jesus' entire life from his birth to his ascension into heaven and everything that's in between. And so if you define the gospel as Jesus as king, and the kingdom of God is here, and the kingdom of God is coming again, repent because it's near, then you actually get justification by grace through faith, not by works, as a subplot in the gospel narrative, which you get right at the beginning of Jesus's famous sermon. That's where we see these beatitudes, meaning the kingdom of heaven, excuse me, not the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven is coming on least on the least likely people, not the rich, but the Poor, not the happy, but the sad, not the powerful, but the meek, not those who have it all together, the ones who 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 are good, but those who don't have it all together, who are a mess. Those are the people who are blessed in the kingdom of God. And these are the people who are wrapped up in the reality that of Jesus is bringing to bear on the world. And they didn't do anything to receive it except to show up. And that's it. And that's the beautiful part, is that the gospel that we see in the Beatitudes, the gospel that Jesus preaches in this kingdom life, blessed are you. It is not the blessing that you think it is. It is, you know, and that's what Jesus does. He radically defines those who are actually blessed. And we shared on Sunday this, you know, this uh, Jewish writing that was written about a century and a half before Jesus entered into the world. If you're interested in that, we won't read it here, but it's Sirach 25, 7 through 11. And essentially, it's this list of blessings, and it makes sense because they're not out of place of the rule of God. And when we consider these words, we realize, yeah, there is an agreement here that this sounds like the blessed life, but this is not what Jesus' list is. It's actually the complete opposite. It's countercultural to the way of the, of the kingdom of earth. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. It's now just walk in and experience this goodness. And one of the things that I think is so hard for you and I, especially if you're listening to this in a Western context, as a, most likely I'm assuming American or have deep American connections, is that you and I, we, the tension is for you and I, we've been told and we've been living in this social experiment called the American way, essentially us being in the pursuit of happiness. And here's the thing, happiness and the definition of it has been redefined over and over and over to the point is now it's about feeling about yourself and your experiences, yourself ourselves, how we feel about those things and our experiences is what defines our happiness. And that becomes an issue because when you think about the blessing, we think about all the eight lists of people that are found in the Beatitudes at the beginning of Jesus's famous sermon. The list of people that are there are not the ones who we, we would say are happy or have the good life or living their best life. And but if we think about it, we make li- we we have to make sense of the list that Jesus is of his blessings through the lens of the kingdom. Remember, the kingdom is present, a present reality, and it's a future hope. It's the now and the not yet, and that's what's so hard for you and I maybe to see at times is is that this kingdom that we're living in is different than the kingdom that is being made 
on offer through God. Right? Does that make sense? Is that when we look at this, the kingdom of God is a present reality and it's a future hope. We can see that blessings here. Like, let's look at the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven present. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Future hope. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So there's this this tension of present reality and future hope exists right here in the middle of the Beatitudes. So what do we do with this? What do I, <clears throat> what what you know? What then? What does this What does this mean for you and I? Well, in the world, this list is not always true. So what we see is that there's a blessing from Jesus for today and for the hope of tomorrow. So how do we view our situation, our life, our circumstances through the lens of the kingdom and see blessing in it while in that situation? And here's the thing, and this is the tough part for you and I. You and I, we live in a culture that says that you are not blessed unless you experience X, Y, and Z, right? It's power, riches, position, what, however you want to describe it, accumulation, status, best, you know, Instagram post, whatever. You're not blessed if you don't have these things. Fortunate are you. Congratulations to you. And I think that's one of the things that you and I must look at through the kingdom lens is that Jesus is saying what the world says is blessing and is good and is the good life is actually not. And I want to show you this through the kingdom lens. And so what does that mean for you and I? Well, once again, we live in this American narrative where we we are in the pursuit of not just happiness, but things will get better. The world will get better. We will get better. The circumstances will get better. But what happens if they don't? What then? And for a lot of us, we have a lot of narratives that are around this idea that it will get better. I think about it sometimes. I've been on this crazy health journey for the last six months where uh, essentially I've lost over 60 pounds. I've changed the way I've eaten, and it's, it's brought a lot of awesome results. But I think about all the failed attempts before this. And I always just thought, well, if I just get through this little season of life, you know, the kids are little, it's hard to hard to go to the gym, it's hard to eat uh, right, or I'm busy. I'll just wait till all these things cease or things get better. And we do that a lot in our life. We do that with our spirituality. We do that with our relationships. We do that with our jobs. We just have to wait till it gets better. But I'm willing to bet that at some point, Maybe we become a little bit more pragmatic in our thinking or we become more realistic and go, you know what? It may not get better. And that was for me in my health journey was I, I was not at a place where it's like it's going it, to it's not going to get better for me to I just have to just jump in and do it. I have to stop eating when I'm eating and I need to start exercising. All right. Whatever that might be for you. And what we in the American narrative and the American story is that. Life will get better. Life will get better if we can get to here. If we can make more money, if we have this position in, at this work or we have a different job, maybe life will get better if I, I'm not married to this person anymore or once my kids are, you know, no longer teenagers and whatever it might be. But the reality is, and the question that we have to ask is, what then? What then? And I think what Jesus is trying to help us understand through the, the Sermon on the Mount at the beginning, through the Beatitudes, 
is that you and I are blessed, not in spite of our pain, not in spite of our circumstances, but in our pain and in our circumstances. It's not, and it's not a look on the bright side, buddy, like hang in there. No, like there's legitimate blessing. Fortunate are you for those who are poor in spirit. You have nothing to offer spiritually, materialistically. But guess what? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And I know that's hard for us to understand because we've been told such an ongoing narrative that life will get better and that you will be blessed when you can arrive at such destination. But Jesus is saying, and maybe this is my interpretation of some of this, and I, I need to probably just preface this, but I, I think in my humble opinion, Jesus is saying like, no, the true blessing is, is in this moment, in your hardship, in your pain, in your circumstances. Life is maybe not as what you hoped it would be like. You know, that spouse that you that you dated all these years and you finally got a ring on your finger and you realized, yeah, he's a jerk or she's a jerk. And I can't believe I have to put up with this the rest of my life. Is this ever going to get any better? And what Jesus is saying is that maybe not. But regardless of your circumstance, there's blessing in it. Not in spite of your circumstance, not in spite of your pain, but in your pain, in your circumstances, in your hardships, whatever it is, like there is blessing in the kingdom of God. There is present blessing. And there's also in the future, there's a, a hope for the future. And that's the beautiful part. And so you and I's response I think in this is to embrace the blessing that God has for us in our pain. I, I, I think of parents of special needs kid. When we had planted a church, we had had a family that would, would worship. And I don't know exactly uh, what their daughter necessarily was diagnosed with, but she was special needs and she was older, but she would make loud noises throughout the service and uh, especially during teaching and and I, it was interesting, you know, as a teacher, you'd hear you'd hear her at the very back of the room. And one of the things to me it was like her parents had braved all the all the things to get to the service, and she would make a noise. And it, you know, if you weren't in the situation, it was probably hard to maybe articulate. But there was just something about that that for me was encouraging because the parents had braved all the hurdles just to even get to church. And some people just don't necessarily know how to do with that. But I think of parents in this, these parents specifically was that a lot of times I'm certain that they were tired. Uh, It was hard. You know, when you, when you learn that your kid's going to be special needs, it's not a, I can't wait till they're 18. So they're gone. Like maybe some of the rest of us feel about our kids, but now it's, here's what life's going to look like for the rest of our lives. That is, we're going to be caring for this child. And I'm, and I'm, and I know for certain that parents uh, of special needs. I've got a, I've got a cousin. I've got friends that have special needs. There's a lamenting that happens, I think, as a parent of that because it's not what you hoped it would be. It's not what you want because this isn't a good thing. But one of the things that I think in that is that these parents discover a couple things. One, they, they can respond and they can wreck their life, or Two, they discover a deep and profound love that is deep, it's rich. And a lot of these parents of special needs kids 
have a joy and have a love and compassion for others that I think a lot of us miss. And I think of that in the sense of like, there is a blessing in this pain. There's a blessing in their hardship or in their circumstance. And I just even think about just a year ago, we were at my grandpa's funeral and my cousin who's got a special needs kid. And there was joy on her face as she interacted with her son who was walking up the stairs. And I mean, there's no way he would have been able to walk unassisted and a joy in the way that she talked to him. And I just thought, I just think about it, like for me, like how impatient I am with my kids. And, and, and I know it's, I know it's a difficult road, but there is a joy and there's a blessing and there's so much goodness that has come, I think from their experience. And I, and I would maybe I need to have this conversation with them, but from just even watching the way that they interacted with their son was encouraging to me. And I think that's what I think that's kind of what the kind of the feeling of what Jesus's blessing is, is, you know, it's are you spiritual zeros? Are you sad? Are you depressed? Are you are you powerless? Are you under oppression? Are you are you just kind of messed up? I think there's something beautiful that's in this is that we're blessed, not because of our pain, not in spite of it, but in it. And that's the picture of the kingdom of God. It's it's the present reality and the future hope. And that's a lot for us maybe to chew on this week. And I just want to kind of encourage you that I think God is wanting to do something and show you something very special this week of what the kingdom of God is, what it's like, how we can experience that. And just remember, this for us is maybe us understanding what Jesus is getting at here. I think if you grew up in the church, the chances are that you've read the Beatitudes or have heard them several times as a, and you've seen them as a list of virtues or commands and and right now you might be just a little numb or apathetic to actually knowing or discovering how subversive this actually is. But what Jesus is actually doing is redefining who is actually blessed, which is the exact opposite of what you and I would expect. But in this kingdom of God, in this present reality, in this future hope, it is counter to everything that we experience in the kingdom that we live in here on earth. And what Jesus is showing us is that the kingdom life is, from God that's in heaven, the goodness of that, despite our circumstances, is now here on earth. And all you and I have to do is to walk in and to live in this kingdom life, to to keep the perspective and the lens that the kingdom is existing now, and it is my future hope. We said this to kind of wrap up the sermon this past week is that it's this, it's the kingdom of God. So once again, it's the present reality and the future hope. The kingdom of God is completely upside down to the kingdom that you and I are used to. What are we used to? We're used to the kingdom of this earth, the way things operate in America and the Western civilization. But it's also where life is lived to the fullest. And I think that's encouraging to you and I is that Jesus came to flip the script. He, he came to show us that there's blessing despite our pain, despite our circumstances. And I just want to encourage you in that. No matter where you are, no matter what you're experiencing this week, there is blessing in your circumstances, regardless if it's going well or if it's not. And it may be for you. Your Life is great right now. Honestly, you see the blessings all around you. There's nothing bad happening. And I would just say for you, maybe for you this week, the practice is just gratitude. God, thank you. You've given me so much to be thankful for. And maybe for you, it's taking someone out to lunch this week or going out to coffee and saying, hey, like, can I minister to you or can I encourage you or just be with them and just be a great friend. 
But whatever that is, I just want to encourage you in that because I think this kingdom life that Jesus came to offer is a is far better than we can ever imagine. And this is what the abundant life is. It's going to be different than what we've been told is the life to the full or the good life, whatever it is. It might it is different. I can guarantee you that. But it is where true abundance and riches can live. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you are this week, to lean in. Lean in, discover the kingdom of God, the present reality, and the future hope. And know that there is blessing, not in spite of your circumstances, but in your circumstances. Until next time, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive a little bit deeper into the message. I hope God is doing something significant in your life because I know that he is. Just lean in, trust, see that God is moving. And until next time, be blessed.